Welcome to episode 113 of the Premium Edition Games Playcast! We're back again to wreck your day. Oh, you just ruined the surprise, Barry. I know, totally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See what happens when we don't do a direct? Now we got puns. Frank <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Fra- Frank did enough of them puns for us, though. He was, he was, <laughs> he was quite punny in his emails. So, yeah, that being said, I think, um, you know, we're going to have a few things, like maybe we do a little table of contents at the beginning, but, you know, obviously, as you know, the, those staunch supporters of Premium Edition Games, um, we have Rack and Ruin up for pre-order. Really awesome. Our 10th release. Um, and we're changing the way we're doing things. So I think we'll start off talking a little bit about that. Um, also, got to do some updates on what things production and shipping. Um, and some new stuff that uh, we've added to the website. And also, like, our thoughts as collectors on code in a box because we've seen a little bit recently including you know our current release so i think that'll be a fun one and then i got something that i haven't uh told barry about that i feel like he'll have a lot to say about so it'll be a fun one at the very end i'm looking forward to that i have no idea i'm going in blind yeah at the end you'll be like, oh it makes sense <laughs> um but so let's let's talk rack and ruin rack yes. and ruin our 10th release it is a Legend of Zelda style top down. Um, a lot of people are looking at screenshots and videos thinking it's like another, you know, roguelike gauntlet. It is a full open world Zelda style with Metroidvania style progression and a top down perspective. But all the enemies are bullet And And the world is not roguelike. It is not procedurally no. generated. It is static. No. Exactly. So it is like a Legend of Zelda style game. Like, it is. It is a masterpiece. It is ridiculous because I'm not going to lie, Barry. When we got the initial codes, when, you know, they reached out to us, the developers reached out to us to, to play the game for the first time, I looked up every game before I play it, and I'm like, oh, this would be cool. It'd be kind of like Demon's Tear, where you got, like, dungeons, and you're going through stuff. Then I played it, I'm like, this is Legend of Zelda. Yep. Like, I did the same thing. Ridiculous. And, I mean, but you got the twin stick style firing. You start off with a bullet, you know, like almost like a, a magic spell, but you get a sword eventually that you can swipe. Um, yep. Not as powerful as I would like, but you still get to swipe it. No, for me, what what did it for me was once I got to that first dungeon, and I'm like, this this to me feels just like going through Hyrule Castle and a link to the past. Uh, yeah. And I, I have so many great memories of that game, and that's this game brought me back, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is this is Zelda. But it's like Zelda mixed with Invader Zim with such a fun story and a great character. Great great cast of characters, actually. Yeah, I did not catch the Invader Zim until you all mentioned it and you know, the developers actually, you know, talked about that. Like that was one of the inspirations and it's ridiculous. And I will I will tell you, for the listeners, don't sleep on this game. This game is awesome. It is oh, yeah. really, really addictive. It's one of those where our team members, myself included, we're like, yeah, we're going to play it. It'll be cool. And then we couldn't stop playing. Like, you can't put it down. That's why we signed the game. Like, as premium, we have to love the games that we play. So if something seems like, oh, that's an odd release from premium, there's a reason why we're releasing this game. Yes. Like, I, I want to say it was one of the fastest signed, too, like from code to, like, actual sign. Like, it didn't take us long to just fall in love with this game and say, yeah, we got to do this. Uh-uh. And, and you know, it's funny, Barry. This is something that we tried, and I don't think that some of the people that go to our website are as eagle-eyed mm-hmm. as we give them credit for, because Rack was on the flasks yep. a couple weeks before we announced Rack and Run, and we did that on purpose. Well, uh, when Frank started teasing it with his little videos, I did get a couple messages from people. Um, yeah. That I guessed it. One person flat out just put it right in Discord. Frank immediately had to delete the message. <laughs> like, no, no, let's 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 do a surprise. Like, if if we tease something and you guess it, and you think you guessed it, you think you could, send us a DM. Like, don't ruin the surprise for other people, um, <laughs> because that, that's part of the fun. But you know, we're definitely curious to see who who got it. And I was shocked. 
I was like, wow, people haven't even heard of this game? <laughs> like, like this, I, I hadn't even heard of this game. Like, that, that's impressive that you guys have heard of it because it's so good. It, I feel this is another one of those sleeper hits like Phenotopia where people just haven't heard of it. Uh, there's a few out there that we've signed now yeah. that we hadn't heard of. And as soon as we play it, we're like, this needs a physical. Like, it's awesome. And, you know, we're not changing who we are for no one. Um, <laughs> but... I know one thing that you wanted to specifically talk about, Barry, was our pricing. Yes. And we had a lot of people with Series 4, with Brand New Parade and Wonderling, um, you know, not super excited that we had to raise our prices. And that was due to, you know, our manufacturing facility raising the prices on us. And we couldn't afford to do it the same price at the same quality. And what we do at Premium is quality over quantity. So, like, there was... From our perspective as a team, they're like, well, we, we're not pivoting from that. We're going to do high quality. Um, we ironically had talked about, you know, doing a minimum edition games or something. <laughs> we were all joking about that and doing without, you know, the slipcase and the sleeve. Um, but the thing is, is then what sets us apart? What what are we doing differently? It sets a bad standard or bad precedence because we want to make sure that our standard is that the standard is like a mini collector's edition that's what we do and it doesn't save us that much on price people like some of the other uh companies doing what they're doing i mean we don't know like if they're able to do 35 dollars. we're not going to speculate um we just know that we're doing high quality items and we pay our developers well yep so that's all we can say we handle we, we handle you know ours our production very seriously and let me know if i miss anything but we changed with when this happened you know we did our our series four and i was like we need to change the way we're doing business so we're we changed how we're doing our production going forward and we're able to get the same quality and we were able to cut out a lot of the crazy stuff that was causing extra money by going to different facilitators so it's very vague but we're able to streamline some processes and save some money that we wouldn't have figured out if people didn't let us know hey this is bothering us that it went up this much um we were able to get it down five dollars comfortably and still be able to pay the developers well which is awesome um but, got the retro down ten dollars but that's what i was gonna say barry is that the same thing that i applied to the standards we applied to the retros and it was significantly cheaper so we're like, well, heck, what if we drop the retros down to 60? Because then for me, everybody should just get the retro. Because I also am that hipster artist. I'm working on all the packaging design. I'm working on all the items. I want everybody to get everything. Like, I want everybody to be able to afford to get everything. So our retro is like a retail you know, price for a classic game back in the day. There are so many games that have come out that I've seen them on plenty of sites where it's like, here's the game and here's the game with the soundtrack. And a lot of times when they do that, it's usually like a $15 increase to get the soundtrack yeah. with, with this, you're gets $15 increase. You're getting the soundtrack, but you're also getting the exclusive comic book and you're getting the retro box to house it all in. Um, so you're getting way more bang for your buck. And this is actually, uh, the cheapest, uh, retro edition. Even, even the super blood hockey retro upgrade was $20. Um, this is, this is now only a 15 hour upgrade. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So it's like, we're able to, to do that, which is amazing. And for me, it's like now our retros are super affordable. Everybody can get all the stuff. Um, but the, the unfortunate part is the, the majority of the cost is in the standard. The switch cartridge is the most expensive. Yes. Piece. Everybody knows this. So, but we're also doing crazy stuff with all the packaging, with all the different options. We cut out the options. It's not as cool. It's not as fun. Um, I don't know. But I, I say that, you know, don't sleep on this stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, like we, this stuff's awesome. The slipcase art is by Paul Niemeyer. Mm -hmm. Like, Again. it is awesome. The comic book is done by Sean Daly, who also did the Super Blood Hockey comic. Like, it is super cool to have you know, Sean back and Paul to do his amazing art. And that artwork on Rack and Road looks so cool. 
Uh, it's got so such cool. a great art style. Like oh, every every piece of art, uh, you know, it's just it's unique, and that's something you're always getting with us. You know, every yeah. piece is unique. A lot of people sleep on that too. I think they're like, oh well, this this company does this or this company does this, but they copy paste. They take one image and they copy paste it, and like, okay, that's great, but I, I could do we, that in 15 minutes. We want to do that. <laughs> we want to make fun. it cool. Well, um, so first thing for listeners on anchor let us know what inspiration did we take for the cd soundtrack it is designed to take inspiration from a classic metal album let us know if you know or if I'm, or am i just too old that's, <laughs> that's oh, God. The thing. it is so cool um the other thing is our manuals are manuals multiple pages yep. um pretty thick voice every time we talk with the developers we try to find as many cool nuggets we try to put in as much you know representation on how to play the game any tips tricks hints um it's not just you know a single folded page or a paper insert or like we're doing full color manuals as always and our challenge cards Mm -hmm. plus don't forget pre-orders get a dog tag um saw some comments whatever saying if you remove the dog tag you cut the price down we don't pay anything for the dog tags people it's free the dog tags are a bonus it's i mean from a cost perspective it's like 70 cents i'm doing that for free it's the same thing when it when we're doing the um the patches the challenge patches we mail those for free and it's like what a dollar something for stamps now i just we're mailing those from the company. Like they're not charging people to mail the challenge patches. Like, so it's the same thing. Like we do that stuff cause it's fun and cause it's cool. And we're going to keep doing it as long as it's fun and it's cool. It's we're doing it cause it's super affordable too. Like we're keeping the prices down. We're doing really fun stuff. Like we're custom printing on our dog tags with tactile ink. So you can feel the ink. Like, but on, those are only going to pre-orders though for free. Um, in the future, we'll do the starter set and they don't cost much for us to make, but we'll, we'll have a starter set price, like five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever, you know, the manufacturer wants to charge us because then they're going to charge us for the labor (laughs) when we do sets. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people sleep on the fact that we do so much extra free stuff, the patches and the, and the dog tags. Those are just, those are bonuses. Those are our way of saying, you know, thank you. And, and for the challenge patches, those are our way of saying thank you for not only picking up the game, but actually playing the game because for the developers, because we love, like, like Jeff said, we curate these games, these games, every game we sign is a game we fall in love with. It may not be your style of game and that's fine. We all have different takes and genres that we love, but Each of these games is curated, and there are so many challenge patch emails that we've gotten in for each game where somebody has said, I wasn't going to even play this game. I decided to go for the challenge, and now I can't put this game down. Thank you for introducing me to this game. And love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. Uh, so don't sleep on, on, on a release. If we put out a release, you know, you know it's yeah. going to be quality. And and from my perspective, and actually from the entire team's perspective from Premium, like we're not going to let the Switch limited company burn out because there's a lot of companies pushing out tons of titles. We're not going to let that change who we are as a company. Um, And most of the criticism we're seeing is primarily from collectors because like they're probably going to just, they're probably getting as many games as possible. And they're like, well, if you do it cheaper, I can, you know, spend that $5 getting something else. And it's like, they don't realize what we're doing behind the scenes. Like we're putting forth effort unlike anybody else out there. Nobody can, can touch what we're doing at the level, all the little nuances and Easter eggs and everything. And now if it ain't for you, that's cool. It doesn't have to be for you. <laughs> you know what? And that's, that's it. Yeah. I wish, I wish every game had a demo for everyone to try. I know like Wonderling had a demo, which was great. You could try it. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, said, Hey, I wasn't going to buy it. I tried the demo and, and I did purchase it. And we had some people say, I wasn't sure. And they played the demo and said, eh, it's not for me. And that's okay too. You know, yeah. just just know that each game has its own charm, its own story. You know, the developers are always passionate, and we're just happy to, you know, bring their their creation out physically. Well, and, and some of our titles are are now going out of stock, which is probably a good transition period. But, yeah. But uh, some of our titles are are going out of stock. Um, if 
we get enough interest online, because you can click that you're interested in the title on our website, right? and it gives us an alert, and it stores it when we get them above a certain amount, like, well, do another printing. But we're not infinitely printing stuff. Like, if a game we haven't, if you see we have a game in stock for a long time, assume that we're not going to be reprinting it, because the stuff that's selling out really fast is the stuff that we're going to be looking to reprint. It's just, that's supply and demand. Exactly. Yeah. And so, else. yeah, we got some surprises coming. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. One one person uh, I was having a conversation with, and they thought that our games were limited. And I had to reiterate. And and if you're out there and you're listening and you think our games are limited, we're not. We're not a limited company. All of our pre-orders are open pre-orders, including Wreck and Ruin, and 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 this includes the Retro Edition. Now it's open pre-order. So if you know, we want to make sure that we meet initial demand. And then if, again, if there's enough demand after our initial print, we will print again as long as you know it's within our contract to do so. Uh, because we want people to get these games. We, we're putting these games out because we love them and we want other people to enjoy them too. Yeah, I was, um, I was saying this at in Texas when I was at Classic Game Fest in Austin. I was like, we're not a limited company, we're a small company. And as a smaller company, a startup company, uh, I mean, we're a couple years in, uh, 10 releases under our belt, which is ridiculous. Mind-blowing, Barry, actually. Like, 10. We hit double digits. What the hell? So one of the other publishers told us, well, anybody can do one, but you do two or three, you do that made it. We're double digits, people. Um, But we're a smaller company. So that being said, we can only order what we have the demand for. We can't just go out there and toss out, all right, let's order a million copies of this game. Uh, We have to go based on the demand, which is why we do the open pre-orders to gauge what kind of demand is this a, because what we don't want to do is have to do a reorder a week later or a month later because people really wanted this game and we only ordered the minimum and now everybody wants it. So it's one of those things where we gauge our stuff based off your interest from pre-ordering. So if you're interested in what we do, please pre-order, please support, please support the developers. Because mm-hmm. um, when we order more copies, we pay them more too. So you're supporting the developers even more. The developers um, also make more on our physicals than they do on the digital purchase. Correct. So you're you're really yes. helping them out. Yes. And we make sure that's how we run it. That's we just... We want to make sure that everybody is taken care of because our thoughts are if we take care of the developers, maybe they'll make more games. Then we get more games out of it because we're players and collectors and gamers too. Absolutely. One more. One more. So, so yeah, we got some stuff going on stock, but um, let's see. Since the last recording, as far as I'm tracking, everything shipped out. We still have we still have uh, some orders that still haven't shipped out, but they will yeah, be shipping out with it. Like, like three <laughs> orders, but I'm saying though we've shipped out like I want to say like ten thousand orders since the last recording. So yeah, like we have shipped out almost everything. Um, always though, if you want to check on your order status, hit up our support, put in an inquiry. We can look it up. Never an issue. Um, pretty responsive with it with our shipping team. Uh, but yeah definitely um we're definitely caught up with all that series four is in production mm-hmm. um cartridges should, should be arriving this week maybe next week um nintendo has like about a month backlog once you order stuff i ordered it immediately once once the pre-orders were done um and then basically from there we got the physical item <laughs> production and there's gonna be some freight shipping involved unfortunately i was trying to avoid it um so those those will be arriving as soon as they arrive they get assembled and we ship out so we're trying to shoot for you know the next you know i said fall slash winter on the website just to be very very to the right so that way if we get out earlier the goal is to get out as soon as possible always but we always want to be very clear which is why it's very important for us to record these too uh (laughs) more frequently barry damn it but um we've been busy yeah yes i agree uh, <laughs> but yeah so i mean i think that's it for for shipping like we're we're pretty much shipped out if you haven't gotten yours hit us up and um you know series four is is definitely on schedule which is great like we'll have the shipping freight issues that every 
but he has everywhere. But we've calculated that into our shipping timeline that uh, we expect it to be. <laughs> like it's just how it is. Racket Ruin's gonna be amazing. I think I think that's a good good segue into talking about our change in release and how you know. Oh yeah. Talk about series four and Rack and Ruin is part of series four, and why it is. Yes. Yeah, so. So basically, um, we had talked about that we want to kind of focus more on the game titles instead of just a series number. Because we always notice we're saying series four, series four. And, and then we go to conventions, we go to places, people are like, what's a series? I don't get what that is. Versus, yeah, this is Rack and Ruin, a Zelda game. Like, this is our 10th release as a company. But, like, this game is Rack and Ruin. Um, it's not to say that we won't pair games together, Barry, going forward. No. We might still have two games going up for pre-order. But we're going to focus on the games and how a series is, which is how we've done it all along, is based on a season. So our summer series just ended. We're still in the summer with Rack and Ruin. So it's still part of the summer series of 2022. Um Ironically, I don't think even we realized that it happened like this, but it was like winter 2020, summer 2021, winter 2021, and summer 2022. It like went yeah. every six months for a season, like on the dot. And that's kind of how we always talked about it. And then we talked about on an episode that we're going to be doing like almost every season or quarterly is what we said, but seasons. So... Right. Yeah, and, and whether we do them, you know, a month we'll have a game and another month we'll have a game or two or whatever. Um, so remember, we've teased that we're moving into other consoles. Um, pretty sure we specified it last time, didn't we? We, we teased, I think. I don't remember. Teased. Eh, I'll keep it vague. There's your second Discord. What did we tease last time? Did you figure it out? Did, we, did I actually say it? I probably did. <laughs> that proves that you listen to us, people. So anchor.fm, you can actually leave a message, a voice message. Um, yeah, do that. Uh, but we're venturing other things, which then means that we have to have a pretty structured calendar. Um, heck, Switch Collector, Abridged, Volume yes. 2 Part 2 is done. It's going for pre-order when we have an opening. So, like, that. why did I call it that, Barry? Oh, you called it that because when you looked at the entire table of continuing the Switch Collector in the format of the first two <laughs> volumes, it would take you 16 years to get caught up to where we were a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it went up to 18, I think it's over 20 years now, um, with the current pace that I was able to release things at, and that was like, with adding premium edition games to things, it would have taken me till I was in my 60s. Um, that's ridiculous. So basically we're doing an abridged version. The main change is it's going to be streamlined. Um, there's only going to be, you know, there's going to be less screenshots, unfortunately, um, less write-ups. There'll still be the community contribution option. Um, we're likely not going to Kickstarter, but we're going to stay right on the premium edition games website for the pre-orders, which everybody seemed to like when we did the reprint of volume one anyways. Um, but I'm calling it volume two, part two, because it's the second half of year two, and then we can start fresh. Volume three is year three. No confusion yeah. after that. So kind of writing the ship by having a very crazy title for the first one. Um, a bridge just means shorter version. That also means that if in the future um, time presents itself and we want to do, you know, long form switch collectors, the option is there. You can always do, you know, openings. Like, I mean, say say a gaming website wants to work with us and let us utilize. They review every Switch game. And they want us to utilize them in the book form or something. We could do that. And we could release a long-form version of Switch Collector. That is 100% something that we're open to doing. But the abridged, it's already done. So that's how fast that worked. Um, and I'm already working on year three, volume three. That's awesome. Yeah, I finished the digital-only section last weekend. And you know, there's a lot of games. And some of those we might be removing if we sign them because I went through <laughs> every title on the eShop, every title. Like it takes me a while, but it's fun. I'm OCD. It's great. It's my solace. <laughs> There's like, a lot of games, a lot of games. There's some cool ones in there. And I'm like, Ooh, what about this one? Ooh, what about this one? And then Barry reached out to one of them. They're like, Oh, it's already signed. And I'm like, well, I'm leaving it in the book until they announce it. Once they announce it, I'll remove it. Yeah. No, we're always trying. 
yeah, it was like one was really cool. I was like, oh, this would have been a fun one. And we know the one of the developers too. And it was like, oh, this would be a perfect one. And he, the developer was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking about releasing digital to physical, it would be a good time to talk about that uh, code and box you mentioned at the start of this episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's one of the things that we saw that was mentioned a few times when it came to Rack and Ruin, which wasn't even part of our thought process. Um, is that Rack and Ruin got a code in box in Europe, apparently. Um, yep. Found that out. Like, we knew that before we signed the game. Yep. Um, however, that is a case, people. That is just our work in a case. Like, yes. like that in a game. No, and no. number one, that's is is bare bones. It is predatory to customers that you could possibly do. Yeah, whenever we, we look at a game, we always look for releases because we don't want to release games that have a, a foreign release, a European and Asian. As long as it's in English and playable, we don't want to do that. And we knew right away, Rack and Ruin, we, we, you know, it had the, the code and box in Europe. But like Jeff said, we don't count that. Code and box is not a physical. It's not a real physical game it's just a case so you know in the book when i called it physical it means fake right yep, yep. <laughs> like it was fake. fake not real and, um, and it's, it's a real case now here's the thing i ain't gonna tell people how they collect if they want to count that for their collection and and not have the preserved copy on a cartridge that's up to you however yeah. as a collector i don't collect anything that doesn't have a game with it um I got some of the convention exclusive Retromania wrestlings just to support them. I'm gonna buy the game when it comes out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and I don't if, even care who publishes it. I'm gonna buy the game what? because I'm gonna support them. Even if you're a European collector and you liked like Peggy games, and I've done this before, you know, you can get that code in box, get our copy, open up, and you know, put our copy of the cart in there, and you can have a Peggy to line up with all your Peggy shelves, or just put that Peggy slip cover over over ours you got our inlay art and you got the peggy outside that's fine too um however you want to collect i've, I've frankenstein things before but it's not a physical so we're happy we're able to take this game and we're able to preserve it on a physical cart for the first time exactly so yeah i mean i think you agree with me that code in box is is no. not a real release it's a separate it is an entirely separate thing like digital do yep. you know why it is, Barry? Because it's a different code and it expires and it but it has a physical case versus a digital it's, code. It's, it's actually even easier than that. Nintendo has defined it as such. When oh. I go to the publisher portal, there are three options digital, physical, and code in box. Code in box is its own thing. It's its own if you collect all the digital stuff and have digital collection, that's cool. You have digital collection. You don't have the physical collection of it. If you have a code in box, you have a code in box collection. Yeah. Like it is literally a separate way. Could we we could do code in box releases? We are authorized yeah. to do it. We would never do that because it's to us it's not cool. Like yeah. to me, it's it's predatory. Like it's, it's super you're predatory. literally just collect our our merch, our game related merch. Yeah, and we're seeing, you know, it's, this isn't limited to even small stuff. Uh, you know, there's the God of War Collector's Edition, uh, the Ragnarok for, for PlayStation, where you get this big-ass Collector's Edition, and you get a code. You don't even get, that's the equivalent of a code in a giant box. You don't even get a physical game. You get a steelbook case, but you don't get an actual physical game. That's cheap. That's predatorial. Uh, we, we're not fans of that. So I mean, well, how does that make sense? Because the steelbook has a spot for a disc. Yeah, but they're not. But they're, they're they're doing a retail release of the game, like a standard retail. But if you buy the big collector's edition with the statue and everything, you're just getting a steel book case that's exclusive, but no disc. You're getting a digital code. I'm just saying though, like <laughs> it's stupid. Steelbook has a spot for the disc. Like, why would they not put a damn? Because they're stupid. I don't know. <laughs> it's CDs cost cost pennies to freaking. It's dumb. It's like, dumb. If I could understand with Switch, like. If they were doing a giant collector's edition and they did a code in box because the cartridges cost a lot of money. No, this is like, and this is Sony too. I mean, Sony has so, a lot of money. So, so here's the third anchor.fm. Those of you that support that code in box is is just as important as a having the actual cartridge. Do you want us to to consider doing a you know deluxe edition 
or a retro edition with steelbook or deluxe edition with the steelbook and not put the cartridge in there do a code in box like is that because <laughs> we would have we put a lot of time and effort into all the different pieces it wouldn't just be a case because that's what the rack and roll it's just a case it would be a whole lot of thing but we don't put the game in there it would save us a lot of money barry i don't think it would be cool <sighs> i don't think it would be cool either i don't either. think it would be cool at all but i'm just saying so Anchor.fm, there's a way to leave vocal messages on our podcast. Let us know. Let us know that we're crazy, too, and say, don't do it now. I would love to hear those. <laughs> I will play those on the next episode. Like, we will we will play those. That'd be hilarious. But um, if you support it, too, tell us your pers- perspective, why it counts. Because to me, it's like, ugh, it's just gross. See, now, as a collector, while I hate code in boxes, <laughs> I will admit I do have some. Uh, I have U.S. release code and box games that didn't get a physical um, as a retail release. Um, I hate them, but they're there because I I consider them a part of a set. Um, Several of those games have actually gotten European physicals, uh, which is cool. So I have the U.S. with the European. And then that's happened with with other systems, too. Um, Vita had two in the U.S. that uh, Europe... Um, or Asia got the physical, so I got those to go alongside of it. Uh, PlayStation's had it uh, as well. There's been games like uh, Lara Croft, uh, Temple of Osiris, I think it was in the, Euro- the U.S. was a case with a code, and Europe had a physical disc in English. So I Frankensteined that of the U.S. case on the outside with the, the European well, I disc. I think I talked smack to you about this yet, but why not get the little Walmart cards that are sitting there? There's a couple unique games that haven't gotten a, a physical and haven't gotten a code in box, but they're literally sitting there and they have the game branding on them. Nah, because I have they're to gross. draw the line they're somewhere. Equally, they're equally <laughs> as gross. They're yeah. equally as gross. And then have Faye make you a custom case for it and you just put that little code yeah. inside of a case. I'm just giving you ideas to make you go down a rabbit hole, Barry. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a rabbit hole I am not going down. I'm refusing. Am, My man. wife would kill me. <laughs> now, a rabbit hole that I went down during... I want to say the first season of the Playcast, which I went to Faye and I was getting all my Japanese games nay, with English nay. covers. Not um, I, I stopped doing that. So, oh, you stopped? See, I still do oh, that. I, I haven't done it in years. I got too many games, man. I, every, every game that has... At least if it has the spine. For me, it's about the spine. It could be a full Japanese game, but it, it's English on the spine or English and Japanese. Then I can tell what the game is on the spine. I'll leave it alone. But if it's a Japanese title... Uh, or an Asian title where the spine is not in English, those ones I will have custom done uh, by Nay, and she does an amazing job. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have those in my collection to to enhance. But again, it's not it's not done for value or anything. It's just for my own personal taste. I like to be able to tell what the game is on the side. And I'm opening the games up to put it in there. So some people, oh, you're opening. It's in the debasing value. I don't care. I don't collect for value. Um, no. I think it's cool, but I don't remove the original cover. I put hers over the original cover, so it's still all complete. See, I don't do over the cover before because it's too thick over it, so it would like warp it. So I actually took them all out and put them in a in a. I think it was one of the lunch tins that came with one of the Mario games. I put it in there, Mario Maker Two. I put it in a lunch tin, so that way I have them all stored in a safe spot uh, because it just warps the case. It, it didn't warp it, it for me. It did it for me for all of mine. Oh. So I was like, no. But like the the way that I um collect has kind of changed since over the last couple of years. Because I mean, I got space considerations too. I only have so much, and yeah. like I kind of moved away from. Well, I I definitely I still only collect what I like. Um, I move away from all the the crazy hard hitters. I don't buy everything. I still open up games that come with a card that are outside. So I put the card inside the case. So that's your, your limited runs. I put the card when they give me the card. I don't always get the card from them. Ironically, there have been quite a few that I've gotten without the card recently. Um, but I open them up and then I put the the card in there with, without, with, with me not playing the games, mind you, because my backlog is infinite. Um, and I still take out all my standard games out of the collector's edition boxes and put them all up, yep. including our own, all up on the collection. Um, 
if there's part of a set, I still have some of my sets displayed all together with similar types. You know, like our retros are all similar type. Yeah. Um, doing that with first press or, you know, your your strictly limiteds with their bigger boxes or whatever. Like, I still do a lot of that. Um, I cut back on ordering a lot of those because I really only want the standards for a lot of them unless they have a consistent retro theme. I mean, we do retro editions. I mean, I we create what we like. Um, but... The other thing that I've been doing is pulling games off my collection that don't fit or I don't really care for. So if there's a game in there that I got, like the the LOL, LOL game for my daughter, she didn't like it, it is now in a box in the garage. Eventually that box will probably be for sale because um, I'm not going to play it. And my backlog is infinite and I'm not going to get to play in it because I'm not going to play the LOL game. Um, there might be some other games that are not conducive of genre or other pieces. And what it's also doing is helping me hone in because remember before I'm like my top 40, right now it's yep. like my top thousand or 500, whatever fits on that shelf, like top 1000 copies or something. So there's going to be games that aren't in the top 1000 of the switch in my like best of madness, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Like so crazy. But that's kind of how mine's changed and molded. And um, something I've gotten in recently, which is going to be a segue to the question I'm going to ask you, but I don't think you've gotten a Steam Deck, have you? I have not gotten a Steam Deck, no. So I got my Steam Deck in, and it's freaking amazing. Um, When we get test stuff, I can actually load it onto my Steam Deck remotely. So there's this thing called Sync Thing. And I can like drag the exe file or whatever it plays on over to it, and I can install it onto the Steam Deck from my PC. Because Steam Deck's a PC as well, but I just use the Steam Deck as a Steam Deck. I only have the Steam OS on it. I don't. I'm not hacking it. I'm using it for Steam. Um, you can install like retro stuff on there too. It plays everything flawlessly from what I'm seeing, all the way up to Switch, mind you. But I'm using it for Steam. And for really fun, like things that you can't experience anywhere else. So, like maybe like uh, I've been trying to get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Retro Palooza, the other the crazy one that came out before the this current one that just came out was released. Um, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get that one to work yet, so I'm trying to work that. But I've been having fun testing everything. It plays great. Um, I have a build of the classic series. Um, it works great, by the way, because we're still working on it. That's why it hasn't released this summer yet. Um, it's going to be the fall, likely, because we're still optimizing it. So, like, Christopher, who's programming it, has been working on stuff. And I'm like, hey, so when you're selecting the games, if you go all the way to the right, it should loop back over to number one. And, and it stopped, and you had to, like, go back. So, like, a lot of, like, ease of use things. Because we're programming this sucker from the ground up. And then I'm like, hey, do you think about this or put this thing here? Um, we're going to have some it's going to be re- you're in your retro game room in the game selection screen. So you pick up the cartridge or we're also doing some funny things because it's non-proprietary. So like uh, one thing that we're going to have, Barry, is the NES cartridges mm-hmm. on the back have a label. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like because we're not doing the nes boxes um we're doing the nes cartridges but they're a little bit off size but on the back is like a front label back label like it looks it looks awesome but it has the what would be traditional on the back of the box just That's really awesome. fun really fun stuff and we're doing that so it's like well it's not necessarily an nes cartridge we got a couple differences that we did on purpose <laughs> it's fun though but yeah we're I've played all the demos. There's gonna be some bonuses on there. You gotta find secret unlockables, old school. It's exclusive. One of them will probably be tied to the patch to find one of them. Oh, so, and, and they're exclusive. Like one of the lockables at least is not going on the eShop at all. So it'll, it'll be exclusive to the physical, which would be fun. Um, but yeah, like so yeah, my Steam Deck though has been so cool. Um, it's definitely heavier than the Switch though. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> Jesus. But it has been cool, very customizable. Um, a lot, everything that we test, all the old Steam games I have work great. There's ways to get stuff to run. I haven't really had too many issues with something just not flat out not working. Um, so I recommend it, and I got to get a dock 
Um, I bought an aftermarket one. I got to see if it works well. But I got I want a dock so it can go on the TV. That'll be pretty cool. I'm gonna get put it on the um the switch kiosk. Then it's my Steam Deck switch kiosk. <laughs> I guess yeah. you would use what an eight bit dough controller with it or something. Um, honestly, like, like I time. have an infinite of those, and Steam Deck has its own controls. So oh, does it? That's all. Yeah, it's a like switch. The, no, no. When you dock it though, like an actual. Oh. Like, I just That's got the dock in, so I haven't messed with it yet. But I'm saying have, you can't take the sides off. It's not Joy-Con, so you would have to be, have a controller to play on your TV. Well, Barry, as we've talked about before, I have an unhealthy addiction to collecting random Switch controllers, and most <laughs> of them, <laughs> and most of them are you know multi-console. So that one works. of them is bound to work with. It. I got this <laughs> one's like a tiny little Pro controller. It's like the Pro controller, but tiny, and I love that thing. If it, if the buttons all work perfectly, even though it's a tiny little controller. Is it one I of those guess. afterglows? It's not an afterglow. It's smaller. Uh, well, it's smaller tiny. than an afterglow. Will, afterglow is always I tiny. Will, I will send you a picture. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I found it at a convention, and I'm like, what is this? I don't know what this is. And <laughs> it's like my favorite one is the SN30. Like the, not the Pro, but the SN30, the Super Nintendo one. That was like one of my favorites. And this one is like up there with comfort and I don't know why I have such an unhealthy like it has to be odd too. They have to be different and weird. Not I'm not collecting like art variants. I want like like Power A or Afterglow or you know Eight Bit Doe and getting a really cool one. So I definitely have controllers, Barry. That's not an issue. Perfect. <sighs> Freaking craziness. Yeah, I got a, some of that. I think I rounded out my damn. Um, Evercade game collection because I waited a while to get those, but got a lot of Switch stuff. I started putting those on Twitter as little videos because got too much. And but I got a question for you, Barry, because yes. I know I'm I'm a failure at this, and you'll have a lot to say. Oh boy, how was your experience with Xenoblade Chronicles Three? <laughs> I played I two hours, Barry, and I freaking love it. It reminds me a lot of the first one. So much like the first one. It's so cool. And I haven't had freaking time to play it. I played it for two hours. I loved it. And I can't play anymore. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw know you. you got to play some, damn it. I, I saw you uh I saw you uh logging. I'm like, oh he's doing Xenoblade, awesome. Uh phenomenal. Uh I'm actually I'm finally wrapping up. Uh it's 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 one of those series, you know, when when a certain series comes out, Zelda, Xenoblade, Legend of Heroes. Uh, tales of you know stuff like that final fantasy it's one of those where my wife is just like all right i know you're going to be playing this i know your free time is going to be this game and i'm going to respect that i'm going to watch you and i'm going to take care of things so that you have more game time because she's awesome and i love her so xenoblade 3 came out and she knew (laughs) like all right i'll see you i'll see you in a week or so uh absolutely yep. great and it doesn't even open up until chapter three like where you are it's great already but chapter three is really chapter two you got a little bit of exploration but chapter three forget about it like y- y- you can get lost and it seems everyone goes off to the side and gets over leveled and just exploring and it's the world is massive and the story is great and this, this side quest is plentiful but they're all interesting uh all the characters are interesting and I will say this, going into the game, I had my own expectations because yeah. I love Xenoblade 1 and I love Xenoblade 2 and, and Torna, Future Connected, and X, all of that. I had my own expectations of where I thought the story was going mm-hmm. and what I wanted to see. And I can say that those expectations were not met because they were like more Fever Dream expectations. But where uh. they did go was fantastic. And their their reasoning for it is great, and the conclusion is great, and like like the whole package is fantastic. And I'm really curious to see a what Xenoblade Four brings, and b what this new scenario, this this Torna or 3.5, if you will, that's coming next December, uh, that they talked about with the expansion pass is gonna is gonna entail. Um, but it's one of those where if you're like you know expecting Avengers Endgame you're going to be disappointed. Don't. But there's definitely... It's it's designed where if you never played any of the other games, this is a perfect jump-in point, and you can enjoy it. But if you played the other games, you're going to know little nods, little mentions, little scenes that are musical cues um, that are just going to get the tears going and just going to get the emotions run high and you're like, the, the, the excitement. It is great. It is, is like... 
I don't know how any game is going to top this at this point. Like I love two, and I th- I think the only real where place where three fails to two, and I have to say, is the music. And the music in three is phenomenal, but I just have a soft spot for Zeno Two's soundtrack. Um, well, I but, know you still haven't forgiven me because I never went back to two. Ah, uh, two is two is so good. Um, I mean, we played one for the playcast. Yes, and we I, did made sure i beat it and i did and it was amazing and i never went back to two because i played two first but then and i've since bought torna and i have yep. it and i haven't played two or torna and i went into three and it feels so much like one so good. three three feels exactly like all of them really but but the battle system is a hybrid of one and twos and yeah. tornas but it's less confused they don't have the gotcha system of two is gone um, but then said there's the job system from Final Fantasy five and three is there where you get your cast of characters and then you get hero characters and you get a seventh party member. That's a hero and you can change anytime you want to a different hero. Each hero has its own job that your party can learn by partying up with that hero. So so your entire party can learn every single job in the game and you can customize however you want. And then in addition to gaining the hero, because some are mandatory in the story, and then there's a bunch of optional ones if you want to explore, they all go up to rank 10, which is like the highest level you can get. But then each character, each of the heroes, plus your main six characters have an additional hero quest that's like an ascension quest that completes their story their, the, you know, and, and furthers their development, and then they'll go up to rank 20. So then, in addition to finding all the heroes, then you got to find all the ascension quests if you want to get everyone to twenty. Um, I'm not leveling everybody to, to to twenty and everything. That's grind fest. Um, I absolutely won't do that. But I did everything else um, in terms of, like the hero stuff because the stories are so good. Each hero thing is like a it's like a, an episode of like a thirty minute you know you know episode of like an anime kind of deal. Uh, or, or TV also, show. like if so they cool. are doing this expanded pass, which I bought by the way, so I have it. Um, but if they do that, you'll have opportunity to play more and grind more as you play through. Yeah, they, well, the expansion is going to add new heroes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, new. I'm sure new quests as they lead up, because uh, I got the expansion pass too. But it's yeah. it is then, absolutely... of course if they do a physical like Torna, I'll be like, damn it. Yeah, I, I expect the new scenario will be physical like Torna, but for the expansion pass can play it like a month early. Like they like Torna. Like I never opened up my Torna because I played the digital version because I bought the expansion pass. So I played it a month early. Um because I they gave it to me, you know, as part of that. So but I still bought the physical. So I expect that as well. But it's it's a magical game. It's one that I, I people need to stop sleeping on Xenoblade. It's it's Nintendo. It, it might even top Zelda for me. For Nintendo's top IP, wow. and I love Zelda. I've loved Zelda since I was a child, but it's so there's something so special about it, you know. Well, just I, mean, the... I do know that I loved Part One of Xeno, and Three I I enjoyed, but I mean, you know how crazy busy things have been, and I've been yes. focusing on our future, so it's like I'm. I mean, there's a reason why I didn't go to Phoenix and other things. I've been yeah just trying to make things happen and of course writing the book too and I, here's the thing though still enjoying myself and everything else i'm doing but i want to play some xeno <laughs> oh yeah well i've rewarded myself i like i do some emails i'm like i want to play some and then i'll do some more emails and then play some more and like i'd set myself like all right i'm gonna do this this hero quest and then i'm gonna do an email and then, you know like kind of do things like that I but just can't to do that because i'm ocd so once i start oh. something i gotta finish it so if, like i started doing the digital only for year three i had to finish <laughs> the entire thing and i was up for like 12 hours straight doing it cool. and i got it done but if i start xeno i'm gonna do that too well, you haven't. I don't think you've gotten to the point yet where, si- like, side quests in in most RPGs, they're plentiful. They're there. You, you know, every RPG has them. Um, a lot of them are fetch quests. Thankfully, a lot of these aren't fetch quests. It's very, very few. Most of those are done to the Collectopedia, but the side quests are done in a very unique fashion in Xeno Three. Um, there's two ways to pick up quests. One, you'll see a question mark on the map, and that question mark means all the parameters for the quest have been fulfilled meaning you have the correct hero in your party it's the right time of day and you've done all prerequisite quests prior to um you go to the wherever the question mark is and you start the quest the other way 
is completely skippable is you overhear people in town. You'll see this like yellow eye circle, like meaning information. And you have to go over them and like listen to two people talk or, you know, about something. And, and you pick up and sometimes you need to hear two or three uh, people talk about the same thing to make a discussion topic. And then you go sit at the campfire or your camp or wherever, the cafe, and you discuss it with your party saying like, oh, you know, so we overheard this thing. Maybe we should look into it. Yeah, let's look into it. And then it becomes a quest. So it's completely dismissible. But then a lot of times when you finish one quest, you're like, all right, cool. And then you run around and you see another eye because it starts the next quest chain. And it's like, oh, do I want to do I want to go explore this new area to the right? Or do I want to listen to what these people say and discuss this and do the next story? And like this so much. It's almost overwhelming, but it's completely tackable. And I love the fact that you can you can skip them. You're like, I don't want to do start, start, you know, side quest now. You can listen and then discuss at a later time, which is what I would recommend. Like if you see the eye, at least hear them out. You can you could always discuss later. But just exploring, uh, exploration is insane. The telepoints are frequent, and now when you defeat like the notorious monsters or the named monsters, the ones that like that they have a red flare uh, next to their name, they become telepoints where their graves are. Which I don't think that was the case with one and two. I don't remember at them least being not one. There's not yeah. one. Like you can go back to those graves and refight them anytime you want, but now they're actually telepoints. So you mm-hmm. could just instantly go back to wherever those monsters were, which makes exploration even easier because it gives you new fast travel and you will use fast travel a lot. <laughs> the world is huge. Yeah. There's also the line, like Xenoblade 1 Definitive Edition added that like yellow line um, that showed you where the next objective is. You can you can turn that on as well in this. And I, I kept it on just so I kind of had a bearing of where I was going. Oh, I will. See, I told you you'd have a lot to say about my question. <laughs> That's why I didn't prep you. Oh, you started no. before we recorded. <laughs> uh, it's it's a magical series to me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, I've been waiting for this since 2017, since I did Xeno 2. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see where they go from here. And now we uh, just need X on the uh, Switch and the series will be complete. I think X is coming to the Switch, but I I wouldn't expect X until 2024, I'd say, because 2023, unless they're do they want to do it next year as well, because they're doing the expansion pass, the new scenario, the the Torna. Um, but I wouldn't I would base it out. I wouldn't expect Xeno Four on the Switch. It would be Switch Two at this point. In fact, I'm shocked that we got Xeno Three on the Switch. That's because there's not going to be a Switch Two, Bear. I've been telling you this <laughs> for years. They're going to incrementally upgrade. No, you they say this like we don't have access <clears throat> to the publisher portal. Nothing's coming yet. Nothing yet. Yeah. <laughs> there ain't nothing there, Barry. There ain't uh, planning. Shit. Well, then, then, then the Switch Pro. <laughs> Which but there is going to be there, the Switch. So we're there's back. there's definitely going to be a Xeno Four. Um, you could tell they they loved making these games. Uh, right. the the reception has been fantastic. I've seen so many people like, all right, I'm buying into the hype. I'm getting it. Oh my god, this game is fantastic. Uh. It got review bombed, which means you know it's a good game because usually you know review bombs come from people who are jealous that it's not on their system. Um, but yeah, it's it's like if you like if playing Breath of the Wild, if you're like, oh my favorite, one of my favorite parts of Breath of the Wild was just exploring the world of Hyrule because it was just so big. And if you saw a mountain in the distance, you could go there. Xeno Three is exactly that. If you see the mountain in the distance, you can go there. The world is ginormous. Isn't even the correct term. It's, I think, f- over five times bigger than Xeno 2's world. And Xeno 2 world was huge. Uh, yeah, it's it's massive. It, you will you will forever have things to explore and see. And, you know, even just filling out the maps, because that's one of the things, you know, as you walk around, you fill out the map. I've been filling out the maps. And I found in the very first area, right behind your colony, I never went. And I found, like, a notorious monster there or, like, a named monster in a new area. I'm like, I never explored there, and here I am, like level ninety nine, going back to it. Uh, there's just so much to see and do; it's hilarious. Level ninety nine. Oh well, there's another way to to level up faster, um, which I love because I'm not a big fan of grinding. So what I recommend you do if you play is every time you do quests, you actually don't get that experience. It goes into like a rested experience. So. And when you rest at a campfire, you can choose to level up as much as you want using that experience. I say don't and just hold on to it and just otherwise you're gonna be too over leveled and you're it's not gonna be as fun. But then when you get to the end of the game, you just rest and like instantly ninety nine from just doing quests, which is how I did it. I didn't grind. It just instantly. 
hit a button. And when you beat the game, you actually can lower your level too. It's one of the perks. So like if you're like, oh, well, I, this is now too easy. I want to go through this area and have like a little bit of a challenge or or level up one of my ranks, one of my jobs, because you can level them up faster if you're fighting things around your level. Um, you can you can lower your level too if you want. There's a lot to it. <laughs> oh yeah. Nuts. I'm excited to hear you you explore because I guarantee like when, get to a point when you're like I could take like a week and not have to do anything premium. We're set for a week. Uh, you'll get lost. <laughs> Tell me when we get that week and I will pin a medal on you. <laughs> like, yeah. I know what's coming up. It ain't happening anytime soon. Yeah, that's true. It, it, we got stuff lots coming this morning. Up stuff happening this afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, email's always going. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm not doing even email. I'm doing production. Great, but uh, yeah, I definitely look forward to the time when I can dive into some some beefier games. And Xeno Three staying in my Switch because I just want to build a power it on before I go to bed and play it. But I've been falling asleep early because my day job's been crazy too. So been busy the last month. It's been ridiculous. It and never ends. So should we put a bow on it? Yeah, actually, this is a good good time to put a bow on it. Yeah, so, I mean, now, I want to get back to our roots and do more playcast stuff, but we can't play games because I don't have time. But um, I think we should have another game to talk about. So this was a good Xenoblade Chronicles 3 episode that you didn't know was coming, Barry. So <laughs> That's okay. did a nice deep dive, which is perfect. That was the intent. But I feel like we should be playing another game when we record next time we'll see what's around there and maybe like before the recording we'll talk like hey let's at least put a few hours into it then that to be holistically just a little bit of time sounds good to me jump into into something that's coming out that'll be new i mean it give me an excuse to break away because i could break away for a couple hours i'm not going to be able to break away for a week (laughs) (laughs) like ain't happening um but I can grind, you know, knock out a few hours here and there. Well, that's good. Heck, this this weekend's going to be crazy because I'm going to see Black Label Society in Charlotte. Oh, nice. So I'll be out in Josh and Sheena's world for Gamers for Gamers. Well, they're in Florida. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll be back. But yeah, so should we tell people where to find us? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me over on Twitter at Hellfire. You can find me on Facebook and on YouTube at Nintendo Fuse. And you could always find me at the sport email for premium edition games and on the premium edition games discord. So please join and be a part of that community. Cause it is awesome. How about you, Jeff? So you absolutely cannot find me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that is something we didn't talk about, but my Facebook was like down. So unless Facebook, unless my account go back up, it ain't going back up. I didn't block or delete anybody, but it is gone. I am not on Facebook. I am not on Instagram, but I am on the Twitter. At Hagen's Alley, and get me up on Discord. That's all I'm at. So, um, you know, of course, though, with premium, we're on all platforms uh, supporting. And please support, uh, you know, Rack and Ruin. Show the developers some love. Uh, you know, let them know, you know, that what they are doing matters because we are trying to make cool stuff, and we can only do that with your support. Absolutely. Thank you. Have everybody. a good one. And we'll talk and later. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.